On this episode of Water Flying, we are doing episode two of finding out whether you can fly a straight float 172 across the United States. You are listening to Water Flying, a show dedicated to all things seaplanes. Brought to you by the Seaplane Pilots Association. My name is Steve McCoy. I'm the executive director of the Seaplane Pilots Association, which is the world's largest nonprofit advocacy organization dedicated to the protection and promotion of the water flying community. Climb aboard! We're about to start today's episode. Well, welcome back to Water Flying. On this episode, we pick up where we left off on our last episode, which was season four, episode number two. We hope you've been on the edge of your seats waiting for uh, the continuation of our discussion with Dave Wellman in his attempt of crossing the United States in a straight float Cessna 172. So in today's episode, we're going to pick off where we uh, pick up where we left off on day two of his epic twenty four hundred mile cross country adventure attempt. Will he make it? You'll just have to listen until the end of this uh, episode of the podcast to find out. And I can tell you, regardless of the outcome, uh, it is a journey that uh, seaplane pilots like me dream about experiencing. And so I am thrilled to welcome my good friend, Dave Wellman, back to Water Flying. Steve, hey, you left us hanging at the Continental Divide in the Great Rockies. I kind always... of getting excited to head back east and get to some more of that flat band flying. So, yeah, let's get going. Yeah, I like torturing people. The, the employees and volunteers probably know that. Uh, I, I work hard, and I uh, there's probably a little bit of me that 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 enjoys uh, the pain that comes along with these adventures, and uh, and the rewards of hard work. So uh, yeah, I I would I would uh, be remiss if I didn't say I, I hope it was torturous for people to wait a week to uh, hear the rest of your story. So we left off uh, in Sealy Lake uh, in Montana on the end of uh, day one, uh, last uh, episode. You've got a lot of uh, terrain and, and mileage to cover to, to make your destination if you make it. Uh, how does day two start? We better, we got to get on it because you've got a lot of days ahead of you. We got we got a lot of, we got a lot of miles to cover. Yeah, so day two we wake up. It's uh, let's see. Remember we're at Sealy Lake. That's around four thousand feet. Um, no wind and fog on the lake. <laughs> perfect so conditions. Delayed. Perfect we're conditions. Delayed, you know, like, uh, yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, the fog says okay. The fog says it's a little bit cooler that morning, but uh, so we. Well, cut to the chase. We had to. We tried to. We tried to get off the water twice. Um, the second time, we noticed down at the end of the lake, a flag on the flagpole was fluttering a little bit, and we said, "Okay, we can do this." And uh, so off we go. Um, now I'll refer back to Pat and Maggie in Honolulu 
who suggested the route through the cast uh, the excuse me yeah through the Rockies and so we we picked his route and you go uh, out of Sealy Lake and you follow up along the valley till you get to Rogers Pass and you go through Rogers Pass and I'll tell you it's a struggle to get up to that altitude in your little 172 but not a problem we get there and what what a crazy a crazy feel you go through you wind your way through this pass and you make it to the other side so now you're on the east side of the Rockies and you look out towards Great Falls Montana and it the next what 1700 miles is looks to be just as flat as a pancake <laughs> <laughs> and uh the the adventure the adventure uh going through both the Cascade Range and then the Rockies um in my mind that that was the the hardest part and so when you look out across to Great Falls you say okay I think we I think we can do this and um yeah, you really bit off a lot in that. Point. You really bit a lot off yeah, in that first day. That that was that was so that was the, the first day, and then the the part of the second day. But the the timing was critical to pick a weather window where you could get over the Rockies. Um, that was the key. And so then the the trick is now now you're on the east side of the Rockies, and we're looking at not a whole bunch of water. Mm-hmm. And so we, um, the, the effort there is to try and get to Lake Fort Peck, um, which is one of the biggest reservoirs in the U S. So that was our, that was our goal to try and get to Lake Fort Peck. Wow. Wow. And 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 there goes your your answering machine. My answering machine in the background. My apologies for that. Oh no, it's all it's all good. So uh, Fort Peck is is that on the Missis, uh, Missouri River? Yes. Yes. And that that was the key. Was how how do you get from Great Falls? Now you're on the Missouri system, and the- now. The trick in my mind was to follow old Lewis and Clark down the Missouri um, until we get to, well, we kind of peel off there it, towards Minneapolis. But once you can get into the, the Missouri system, now we're back and we have some water again. Yeah. So you were trying to get into Fort Benton, though, weren't you? Uh, uh, which was further up the river. Yeah, that's that's right. Um, trying to get so you you get across you, uh, uh, Great Falls, and then you, you, we thought, okay, well, we'll we'll land in Fort Benton and we'll get fuel there. And so you, you know, diligently, you call ahead and and you you ask them, well, how um, how's it look? It's pretty good, but but the river's running really fast, really really hard. And you say, oh well, you know, can you send us a picture of the boat landing? <laughs> okay, they send us a picture, and we look, we, we look at that, and and you know, being there, you don't really know. And something crossed my mind, and I asked the guy. I said, "Hey, um, would you would you launch your boat there today?" And he goes, "Hell no!" 
And, <laughs> and I said, okay, well, if you're not going to launch your boat, I'm not going to try and land my float plane there. So we, um, we had a, we had a tailwind and, uh, Pat Maggie's suggestion was, okay, you carry your fuel and you land on the far Western edge of Fort Peck, Lake Fort Peck and top off. And then you can get to the other side of Lake Fort Peck where you can get fuel. And so that was our, that was our backup plan. And, well, uh, I think that, because we had the tailwind, we never had to stop for a, a top off. We could uh, make it fully to um, to where we we needed to get fuel at. Well, I really want to take time to to explore that a little bit because I think, you know, we published this story in Water Flying Magazine back in 2020, and one of the things that really stood out to me in your telling of the story was this decision and how you went about making the decision whether you stopped uh, at Fort Benton or not. And I thought it was, again, a great technique. This is, I think, one of the things to learn from your experience and your trip is that was a, a great question to ask a local. Would you launch your boat into the river? And, and that response, you know, no way. Uh, that was about everything you need to make that decision whether you're going to land there or not. And so I really would like to attribute a lot of your success up to this point in the trip and in this particular fuel stop uh, to, you know, that that methodology of research, even if it comes down to just placing a phone call and knowing the right question to ask. And I think that was one of the questions I will use uh, as we just went down the Mississippi River, you know, the question is, would you launch your your boat today? And if they say no, uh, that's a really good indication that you might, if you're making good and safe decision making, uh, you might want to look at another option. And And I thought that was a really important part of your story. And one of these seaplane wisdom, uh, little nuggets of, of goodness. <laughs> Well, exactly, exactly. And what I'm finding out is it um, you don't particularly ask seaplane questions, but you ask ask a question in the way that they would understand and explain to you what they have going on, so that you can make the decision. It, it's a it's kind of the backwards way of finding out information, but I think it's the way that they can, whoever you're talking to, can can convey to you whether it's appropriate or not for us as a seaplane to, to land and, and expect to be uh, taken care of there. Understanding who you're talking to and what, what their perspective is. Uh, they, they can't relate to you as a seaplane pilot in many cases uh, because we're such an anomaly, uh, but there's 11.8 million registered boaters across the United States. So, and, and people that live in these, these riverfront regions, uh, they usually have a boat or there's a really good chance they have a boat. And so, or they can relate to that kind of a question. So I, I just thought that was such a great approach to getting the information you needed from someone who wasn't a pilot uh, and, and doing it in a way, as you mentioned, that they can, they can digest it and they can reconstitute it and they can give you an answer based on their knowledge and their experience perspective. 
Yes, yes. And, and I found that that's been helpful. Um, and, and also, so to move along in the flight plan is when we got to the, if you look on your map, Fort Peck is a big reservoir. And so you fly along, fly along, fly along, and you get to where, um, let's see, it's local uh, aviation would come down and fuel you on Lake Fort Peck. They're, um, they're, they want to try and make sure that the float plane community has a place to stop in Montana. And uh, so they came down and, and they said, well, we'll meet you at this particular um, little launch ramp. And we're flying around, flying around, and they have a handheld radio. And we say, well, you know, we're going to be hot. We're going to be heavy. It's going to be high. We have density altitude. We can't do what you are asking us to do. And they're flying, they're, you know, talking to us on the radio. And they say, oh, well, can you go over to this boat ramp? And we said, yes, that would work. So um, another key is don't don't give in. Just keep keep to your priorities and uh i'll tell you that worked out really well well you you were so you're again just to to stress this uh, you know touching on some of all these themes so you're trying to land at fort benton and because of having a conversation with pat mcgee in hawaii you knew that lake fort peck was an alternate so again going back to what we talked about in the last episode about this tribal knowledge and and literally how tribal it is and the importance of knowing who to talk to to get again just what that little piece of information gave you a great alternate and the information of where to have an alternate landing area in montana came from a discussion with a seaplane pilot while you were in hawaii of all places yeah, crazy, crazy how our our community works. But um, gosh, <laughs> take advantage of it. <laughs> so moving on, you get to you get to Fort Peck. We get to Fort Peck, and uh, so we we land at this alternate boat ramp, and um, it it is kind of fun because you show up, and then pretty quick the whole world shows up, and they are just enamored with this whole float plane thing and they've got their boats and they're all parked up on the beach and you know, we're, we're fueling up and we're getting ready to leave. And, you know, they're just waiting for this dramatic departure of our uh, seaplane from their lovely lake. And um, remember it's hot, it's calm altitude, density altitude. And I'll tell you, we, we were a speck in the distance by the time we got off the water and I can, I can just see that crowd of people going, huh? Well, (laughs) Well, that was, that's that's not very exciting. (laughs) Off off we were. And, and you're thrilled to death uh, because you got airborne. So. We got airborne. Yeah, we were, we were on step, but we couldn't get off the water and we, we spy a little ripple of, breath of air over here and was oh let's grab that and that's all it took to pop us free so (laughs) yeah density altitude yikes how many times can we talk about that in this conversation of this journey so (laughs) 
Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> waiting, waiting to get to to, to North Dakota and uh, a little lower elevation. So yeah, it worked out. Okay. But so that, then that he, same day, our second our second fuel stop that day was in um, uh, Lake Sacagawea, and there. So we're still on the Mississippi system. Oh, sorry, Missouri system, and another gigantic reservoir. Um, and here we called the um, the SPA director for North Dakota, and he said, "Oh yes, oh yes, you you land here." And um, so, uh, sure enough, it, we we fly around, fly around, fly around, fly, find this place, Garrison, North Dakota, uh, near Lake. Uh, oh, let's see, Fort Stevenson State Park. And um, the guy goes, "Oh yeah, well, I'll I'll be in my uh, golf cart, and uh, I'll pull down by this beach that you should land at, and um, we'll we'll meet you down on that beach." And we had expected we, we were carrying some fuel, so that was we just needed to top off so that we could keep going and uh, fly around, fly around, fly around. And finally, we see this guy bombing around in his golf cart. We go, "Oh, that's got to be him!" So we land, and and sure enough, here comes another crowd. And um, the North Dakota Fish and Wildlife pilot came down, and some other guys from the hotel came down, and they all wanted to chat and talk and carry on and do you need more fuel do you want to come and get something to eat do you want to just spend the night here um you know just the camaraderie of um coming into these places was just amazing it's just uh, fabulous to have such a good network of folks available yeah and jeff vaught who you talked to uh our field director there in north dakota is a uh government pilot uh flying seaplanes and a uh, great guy, a uh, lot of work with him over the, uh, over the last two decades, actually. And uh, great guy and, and very unassuming. And uh, nice to see that our field directors uh, come through for you again. Oh, yes. It's critical, critical to, to use that network. But that's, that's the funny thing. When you, when you pull into these places and everybody wants to tell you about this and that and you could jawbone forever and they want to take you for lunch and it's just like hi guys we got to get going you know (laughs) (laughs) it's going to get dark by by the time and you feel oh you feel a little bit um ashamed you know that you can't hang out but um uh, and almost rude when you say geez we gotta go and uh we gotta we gotta make the next recognize that we got to make the our destination before sunset because uh, it gets real hard to do this in the dark. So you and I talked about this uh, uh, a little bit as far as on these, you are really, you know, you're trying to get miles behind you and, and get to the next stop. And, and you can only do so many fuel stops in daylight in a day. And I find you have to at least put an hour, account for an hour just to, get fuel, get it in the airplane. And and that's if there's fuel at the lake and you don't have to run to the airport and run back and everything else, you need to really plan for at least an hour for the fueling side of it. But then there's a whole nother side, which is all the conversations with the people that you're going to meet because you have a seaplane uh, that's stopping in. And, and I think you almost have to like allocate another hour uh, just, just to, be friendly and and again not 
not feel like you're being rude to everyone that is just thrilled and wants to talk to you about the airplane and what you're doing. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you want to be a good ambassador. You want to be a good advocate and, uh, it, yeah, it's hard. It's fun. It's, uh, (laughs) it's gratifying, um, to know that we're received in that way, but yeah, (laughs) we, we wanted to keep, wanted to keep going that day. So off we went. And that our was next like, stop was um, yeah. Go ahead. I think that was your yeah, next stop. <laughs> go ahead, James Jamestown, North Dakota. Um, and and we did. We we landed right at dusk, so our timing was good. Um, we we flying into Jamestown, North Dakota. There's a reservoir there with a campsite right near there, uh, right right at the the reservoir, and um, we're flying in, and there's uh, what do you call them? Uh, racetrack right there. So they were having uh, NASCAR races going around or something was going around. So it was a big to do, but um, they, they welcomed us and we came in there nicely uh, just before dark. Yeah. I think you had some weather that night. Is that, is that right? Was that the stop where you had some weather? Well, yeah. yes. And so we're nicely tied up with our little sand spikes and our uh, floats, uh, on uh our blow up our little blow up floats keeping us off the gravel is lovely and uh we in our little uh, rented cabin and man what a thunderstorm came through and so (laughs) running back down to the beach in the marina trying to you know what do we do and you know so check on the plane saying well okay the plane's okay so we go back up to the cabin we go to bed and here comes the the second line of the squall and there goes my phone again. Sorry for that. But the second line of the squall comes in and, and worse yet. <laughs> so we end up going down and sitting in the airplane through this squall line and thunderstorm. thinking you know, we're going to hold the plane steady. But uh, anyways, the next morning we, we go back down to the airplane and man, it was pushed up onto the beach. <laughs> But uh, all our tie downs were perfect. Our uh, inflatable rollers were perfect. Our fenders were perfect. And uh, the only thing wrong was it was just kind of up on the beach a little further than we could push it back into the water. So <laughs> that was fun. There's a bunch, a bunch of guys up at the marina office. They're all kind of looking at us, you know, and they said, uh, drinking their coffee. And we said, hey, uh, any chance we could get you to uh, help us push this uh, airplane back in the water? And they, they all kind of giggle and says, yeah, but just as long as we don't have to get our feet wet. <laughs> <laughs> they, got us, they, got us pushed, they got us pushed off the beach and back in the water. So little wiggle to the good. right, little wiggle to the left, little progress each time. Wiggle, yeah, yeah. And, and none of them got their boots wet, so they were okay. <laughs> and... Uh, so uh, yeah, and the the thing where where we were at there, the, when we came in at dark, and um, the campground host and manager of the marina was just like super helpful, and his his wife would took us to the down around the corner to the dairy mart so we could get a you know a bite to eat and all that, and um, so the guy in the morning, he says, well, geez, you know, I almost, almost wanted to fly in a float plane. that just looks like the coolest thing. And I said, Mark, that my 
co-pilot buddy said, Mark, take him for a ride. And, um, well, I'll, I'll do some flight planning for today. You, you take him for a ride. And, and the grin on that guy's face when he came back and, uh, I, I can only imagine the goodwill maybe that we had helped instill there with that, with that guy and those, um, um, and I, I always think that that's kind of part of our, our game too, is to, um, be a good advocate, be a good steward, be a good, um, be a good ambassador for, uh, for the things that we like to do flying our little float planes around. Yeah. You and I have talked about this quite a bit as far as this sense that, if we have the good fortune to have these aircraft and get to enjoy this wonderful way of life of flying seaplanes and the adventures that we get to go on, that it's our responsibility to do everything we can to share it with the public. And, and when we see a, a young kid to invite him up in the cockpit and uh, get him in the seat and let him sit at the controls and, and do everything we can to inspire them to chase their dreams and, and to dare to dream because, you know, I, I had aspired my entire life to own a Super Cub uh, on floats. And, you know, it took a long time uh, for me to, to ultimately have one. And uh, I'm so thankful. And, and I do feel like this overwhelming responsibility to share it with as many people as possible. And so I appreciate that. That's something you and I share that, you know, when you go on these journeys, you, you just feel like this, you know, compelling, uh, uh, responsibility to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it very, very gratifying, very gratifying experience. But, um, yeah, day three, day three, off we go. Off um, we are, day three. <laughs> North Dakota. Yeah, day three, Jamestown, North Dakota. And uh, we flew into uh, Gull Lake, a short day. So that was a short day. Hooray, we needed a short day. And what um, a great stop Eagle it is. Bay, Lake. Yeah, Madden's Resort, over the top. What a great place. Sandy Beach, you get your hotel room, you look out over your airplane. I gather that's where a lot of the uh, Minnesota uh, fly-ins and safety seminars are held. And boy, that would be a that would be a fun place to go for one of their seminars. Yeah, we're actually going to do one of our so, yeah. our member adventures there sometime in the future. Ben uh, and his father uh, own this resort. It's a beautiful resort. Uh, we've talked about it and featured it, and we've had been on the podcast actually before, but uh, they're both seaplane pilots and owners, and uh, there's actually Mary Alverson does uh, seaplane training there and a Piper Super Cub, and uh, again, one of our field directors, and uh, it's just a gorgeous. I mean, you have to, it's unbelievable what they've done with that property and uh, how in, uh how well equipped i guess it is i mean it has everything yes yeah well equipped and uh yeah we had a lovely you know, they had great restaurants we could have played golf but we didn't um just kind of relaxed a little bit um we let's see we took um oh yeah we had thunderstorms that night too holy smokes um but we were all tied down nicely secured and it's a, a um 
easy spot. So we slept easy that night. There was no uh, no trouble with the thunderstorms. And your room looks right over the the where your seaplane's tied up usually there too because yeah. yeah. You just have coffee in your room and you're looking out over at the beach and looking at your airplane going, yeah, this is pretty good fun. <laughs> so, yeah. so uh, make it a, a, a stop. Uh, if you're flying seaplanes across the country, you need to stop at Madden's. And uh, Ben and his father and, and their team will show you a great time. And it is a, uh, it's a great destination and one that we hope to take our members to. So, Fabulous. Fabulous. So, yeah. More Gosh, thunderstorms. Day four. Yep, day four. Yeah, more thunderstorms. Day four. Gull Lake. Gull Lake to St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, so part of the part of this whole uh, stop in in St. Paul was at the Whip Air uh, seaplane base on the Mississippi River. So there I get to uh, check another box, land on the Mississippi. Now, I know, Steve, you've done that, but um, that was um, – so that was kind of fun to just say, oh, yeah, I've landed on the Mississippi River. <laughs> um, but at the Whipline uh, seaplane base, and the the thought was um, at some point, would they take a look at um, the PK floats and how would I convert maybe to an amphib? And uh, those guys are like super gracious. Um, here we are landing on Memorial Day. And, you know, of course, they're all kind of halfway closed, but they take care of us. They run us over to our hotel room. It's just like, oh, gosh, they they couldn't have been more gracious bunch there at, at Whipline. Yeah, they really take care of you. I mean, we were just up there, what, two months ago. Uh, sitting waiting for the snow to stop and uh, they really they do an amazing job there and they are a great host and that's a, a nice little seaplane base because it's protected uh, from the current there on the river as well yeah it's a little little funny I didn't understand until later but um, they have these kind of dike diversion things that are in the middle of the river and, and you're taxiing down to where you sneak into their little canal and you, you see this waterfall uh, coming up, uh, you know, ahead of you just before you tuck into their little canal. And um, we're, we're kind of, you know, taxiing along slow. And I said, Mark, you know, if we if we screw up on trying to hit into their little canal, we're going down over that waterfall. <laughs> so there, <laughs> there's, there's a little bit of a pucker factor if you don't know what you're doing in the first time. But um, so I said, well, let's just kind of give it a little gas here and make sure we turn on to that cutoff into their canal. <laughs> and uh, but all, all is well. We, we made it in and they have a, they do, they have a perfect seaplane base. They're super protected. Um, we were uh, in uh, the hotel and, Across the TV comes this news flash of um, these another squall line that came through, and they show pictures of boats upside down on the lake and all of this. And we're going, oh boy, we got to get down and check on the plane. But their seaplane base is private, and it's behind a locked gate, and there was no way we could get down there. But it was it's such a lovely protected spot that there was no trouble at all. So we were once again happy that were in the spot that we had selected for the night. Yeah. Well, and again, uh, the weather across the Midwest there is, uh, uh, you know, it's thunderstorm alley. I tell you what, uh, I've spent my share of Oshkoshes and, 
And uh, even on the trip going from Maine to, to Minnesota, uh, you know, we had to stop. Same thing at South St. Paul because we couldn't make it. We were supposed to make it to Madden's. And we had to stop short because there was a huge storm right over Minneapolis. So, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so day five, cool. moving yeah. on. Day five, day five, St. Paul, Minnesota to, let's see, where'd we go next? Uh, Lake Chautauqua, New York. That's a haul. <laughs> Lake Chautauqua. That's a haul. Um, but we had, uh, well, okay, so we're going... We're going west to east, and we do have a tailwind. So that, that worked out really well. We went, uh, let's see, where what was the first fuel stop? Was, um, uh, where did we stop? Oh, you picked up some Chihuahua, new baggage. Wisconsin. You also picked up yeah, some new oh, baggage. That's right. Well, we, oh, we got rid of some baggage. Um all of the, a lot of the stuff that we thought we were going to need going to at least to Minnesota, we mailed ahead to Maine. And uh, a, another pilot friend of ours, Betty uh, Wiedenhaf in from Eugene, um, she's wanting to be a float plane pilot. And we said, okay, Betty, you get yourself to Minneapolis. We can ditch a whole bunch of gear. We're flying at lower elevation altitudes. Um, we can take on less fuel issues. Um, why don't you come and join us? And so sure enough, here comes Betty. And uh, so the three of us now are in the float plane. If you can imagine a 172 on PK 2300s, here we go. How do you make a 172 cross-country trip more challenging? Put a third person How on it. How do you make more? Bring more friends. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, not a problem. We um, we we took off. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, the, the guys at uh, Whipper, they said, okay, well, this is what you need to do. Take off this way, go that way. And uh, so we're kind of doing our back taxi up the river. Uh, we had a um, no big deal, and we – put it up on step and just the, the plane wanted to fly. So I was like, okay, let's go. And uh, took off and uh, headed, headed east towards uh, Shawano, Wisconsin. And uh, that's a great place, Shawano. Um, the, the, they've got a three, three docks there ready for you. They're um, a good seaplane base and a good jumping off place to try and go across Lake Michigan. So, um, which is, uh, challenging, uh, going across Lake Michigan, even for those of us who flew up flying to the Bahamas, uh, if you haven't flown across Lake Michigan, you might not appreciate that hundred mile leg across the water and how big that water is underneath you. That's a, it's a big lake. Um, yeah, you take you take off and you got a contingency, you know, this and that. You come around, turn back, go back to Shawano and so forth. But um, you go going across the lake and you're out in the middle of the lake and you look behind you and you don't see anything and you look ahead of you and you don't see anything. And then five minutes later, there's the shoreline coming at you. So you go, okay, we can do this. What altitude did you go across? Yeah, what, what altitude did you go across the lake at? Gosh, I, I think... Uh, we wanted mostly 6,500 feet. 
was what we worked out. I just did it or up to seven or to 75. Wow. Yeah. We just did it at a thousand and it was a long time uh, from seeing, from watching the shoreline disappear to seeing the, the next shoreline on the other side. Oh yeah. No, I wanted to be, I wanted to be higher. <laughs> so, yep. Wow. But, um, yeah, so our, um, let's see, where were we headed for, uh, Bay city, um, Bay city, Michigan, Clements Marina, which is on a, on the river. Um, and so that was our, uh, that was our uh, destination for that that leg. I think there were some, uh, you had some crosswinds and some other issues there. It's kind of a winding river. It is, yeah, yeah, it is, and it's got freighter traffic on it, actually. Um, so yeah, landing in Bay City, you you find the airport, and they have a they have a seaplane ramp there, a concrete ramp. Ouch, crunch, but. Um, you, uh, we, we were looking looking for the freighter traffic. Um, you're looking; they have uh, um, navigation buoys, you know, that you have to pay attention to down through the river for the river channel and so forth. And um, it's quite a quite a crosswind. And we said, "Huh, I'm not not too uh, not too happy about having to try that." And um, there's quite a uh, tree line. And uh, right in behind that tree line, you could see that it was a, there was a lee in behind those trees. And I said, well, you know, what we ought to try and do is um, sneak in on a crosswind, catch that lee, and then land on the flat water in, uh, in the lee, and then we can putter up to the ramp. And uh, so that, that worked out really well, um, rather than try and do a dramatic crosswind landing. So... I think that landing worked out come pretty well. Come to find out later. Yeah, it worked out perfectly, but come to find out later, we should have been smarter about what might have been some uh, uh, particular downdrafts where it changed. Um, but I guess uh, sometimes not knowing is uh, is okay. <laughs> but uh, so they've got yeah they've got this they've got this concrete ramp there and. Uh, there's a pilot guy saw us. He, he he saw us come in, and he kind of comes down the ramp, and he's just kind of watching us. And uh, he kind of hollers out, "My the ramp might be a little slippery," and I'm just about ready to step off the float, you know, to kind of pull us up onto the ramp a little bit. It's like, oh, yeah, just about got totally wet that time, but <laughs> uh, it was slippery. The, the way I think you said it was a splash. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was about ready to go kaploosh on that one. So, like I said, I only, I only got half wet on that one. Uh, thanks to the walk wire on the, I could hang on to the walk wire on the, on the bow. But uh, and, and in Bay City, that's critical that you call ahead because the guy comes down with a pack tank on his pickup truck, and uh, he says, "Well, how much fuel do you want?" And and you kind of better know because here he comes with the with the pack tank. And if you um, overestimate how much you want to take on board, uh, you basically have donated that to the next guy that comes in. Yeah. Anything you leave behind that you can't fit in the airplane. If they put it in the tank, you bought it. 
That's his. That's his fuel. You bought it. Yeah, that's his fuel. So, so that was that was critical to kind of know what your fuel use was when you arrived, and because uh, he he asks you, you know, two three hours ahead of time how much fuel you're going to want when you get there. So wow. maybe they do it differently now. I don't. But yeah. <laughs> and uh, let's see. From from Bay City, the the most direct route is to go uh, over Canadian airspace uh, to Lake Chautauqua. And so what what we did was we we filed a flight plan and actually ended up going uh, for part of that was IFR um, over Canadian airspace. Um, but then uh, easy easy enough and. Uh, Crossover was at Lake Erie and drop into uh, Lake Chautauqua, New York. Wow! And uh, about then, you, you start to you start to think, well, geez, maybe this is going to work because we're we're getting closer to the East Coast now. Yeah, this is the end of day five. So again, the question is, how much time do five. you how how much time do you have to allocate for a trip like this? Well, with not having any weather days where you had to stay grounded we're on day five and and you still have a way to go and we we still have to go from new york to maine right um lake chautauqua that's a big lake um as well and and like i had mentioned earlier we try and pick big water so that um you know if there are issues we've got plenty of water along the route and um so we we call into the marina now that's a web on Lake Chautauqua. It's kind of up on the northwest corner of the lake. A great marina um, and a, a super nice restaurant um, with an old patio that overlooks the water um, across the street. Um, then there's a hotel and everything. Perfect, lovely. And the only problem <laughs> is the dock and okay i didn't ask the right question the dock is um suspended on these two inch pipe pilings and so we we taxi up and and we're kind of looking at and and they wanted us to we're talking to them on the radio oh sorry on the phone and they want us to come around inside of the marina Somehow, can you get in here? And we wanted to have you tie up along this part of their dock system. And we're looking at that, and we're looking at the wind, and we're we're trying to taxi up in there. And and at at that point, I said, you know what? I'm I'm going to eat a little humble pie here. And I said, is there any way that you can send out your boat boys and tug us in? I said, I don't want to have to try and navigate my airplane into your marina with these pipe pilings. And uh, that was that was probably a smart move. I, I had those guys come out. We shut down, and they um, towed us in. I call those airplane really eaters. Well. I call those post-airplane eaters. Oh, yeah. Um, flying surface pokers, you know. So <laughs> But um, yeah, so that that was a that was a lovely night at the Webb Marina Resort, Lake Chautauqua. And uh, the next morning, and everything was um, boy, it was rough. The wind had turned around, and the, the waves were just piling in there. 
and uh, we they had put us well maybe they were smarter than we were they had put us on the right side of the marina so every everything was kind of pushing the airplane away from the the pipe pilings and um, so we're we're getting ready doing our pre-flight and so forth and um, sure enough uh, one wave caught me the wrong way and knocked me off and went for a swim (laughs) the uh, all the dock boys, you know, and, and, and Betty and Mark, they're all looking at me going, oh, oh this is not going to go well. <laughs> well, I came up laughing. You know, that, was, that was my fault. So, <laughs> but, uh, uh, What can you, I mean, you can only laugh it off. It, it's so humiliating at the moment. And uh, all you can do is laugh it off. And, and again, uh, if you haven't fallen off your float, you, you're not really a, an experienced seaplane pilot. If you, <laughs> you haven't been flying long enough to do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was a kind of a wet start to that day, but that's okay. And uh, <laughs> so, but um, the, um, the takeoff, boy, it was rough, windy, choppy and uh, uh, hats off to PK floats, PK 2300s. They can handle that chop. That was, we got off the water and, and, uh, had a lovely tailwind going down towards Maine, so I uh, can't argue. Let's see. So we're day six now, so we made it through day five. This is day six. You're getting within... Uh, six on our way. You can smell Maine Shouting from where... Distance. Yeah. You can smell it, yeah. So lovely flight, lovely flight across New York. Um, and the Great La- uh, the Finger Lakes, um, just gorgeous. Um gorgeous country and in upstate new york you're you're back out in the middle of nowhere and uh so that was we're kind of going okay but you've got water there's water everywhere yeah there's little lakes dotting uh, everything there and it is you know i'm surprised i i'm amazed if you haven't been to upstate new york and and you know i had never been up there it's amazing how much wilderness, how remote, and how beautiful, and mountains and ponds everywhere. It's gorgeous. Everywhere. Yeah. So we, we're flying along, and um, we're kind of watching the fuel gauge. Well, we're, when we fueled up at, um, in Lake Chautauqua, like I said, it was rough, and we were trying to, trying to get topped off nicely, but we couldn't. Every time we'd get to – topping off we'd get knocked around and fuel would come back up in your face and you're going oh boy so we really didn't know if we had um topped off um quite adequately so we're kind of watching the fuel gauges and we're kind of looking at our time and we're kind of going you know what let's let's just drop into this one little lake we we kind of watching as things go by and we say you know what let's just drop in here and, and use some of our fuel in our floats and top off. And uh, so we, we kind of circle once and drop in and taxi over to this dock. I mean, I don't know what it is. And here comes this police boat screaming a blue light on screaming across the lake. And we're up on the wing, you know, adding a little fuel and, and the police boat kind of circles around and he's looking at us and we're kind of going, Oh boy, here we go. And, um, uh, they take off. <laughs> Not a word. <laughs> Didn't say a word to us. It's like, okay. <laughs> so we 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 top off with some fuel and uh, all right, good to go. Take off and we're headed for uh, 
Helms seaplane base, uh, Long Lake, New York. And uh, that was uh, that was our next stop. And uh, haven't been there. Into Helms and yeah, lovely spot, Long Lake, Long Skinny Lake, lovely. And uh, across the the um, across the highway is the Adirondack Hotel, classic hotel. Uh, old style, you walk in the lobby, you know, there's the lace curtains on the thing, great big gigantic mahogany reception desk, and there's a bear over here, and there's a moose head on the wall over here, and um, funky little uh, restaurant and bar. It's like, man, this would be a cool place to come back to. And uh, but there was no one around to give us any fuel, and uh. But the, the gal at the, the hotel is small enough town. She goes, oh, I know the guy. Just a minute. I'll call him. And uh, so here they come finally. And uh, they get us fueled up. So off we go. There again, hot, heavy, quiet, no wind. Took a couple tries. And, uh, <laughs> get off the water. <laughs> Hot, hot and heavy, hot, heavy, and no wind. Well, let's see. Yeah, so that's we've only got a couple legs to go. Uh, you fly right by. We're headed for Rangeley, Maine. Rangeley, Maine. That's where I, that's where I got my float rating was Rangeley, Maine. So if I made it to Rangeley, then I I was home. I could, I I'd have done it. But uh, you fly by. Um, uh, where's the uh, Lake Placid, where the 1980 Winter Olympics were? That's, That's kind of pretty cool. Get a bird's eye view, bird's eye view of that. Yeah, and, that's awesome. Uh, yep. Yeah, so we we're flying across uh, Vermont, New Hampshire, uh, drop into Maine, Rangeley Lake, another big lake, and a lot of float plane flying there. Um, oh yeah, Rangeley Lakes is another another wonderful place to go. Yep, been in there and Keith, flown with uh, Keith. Yeah. Yeah, Keith DeChambeau, um, I think I've said his name right, uh, welcomes us. Perfect. And we get fuel topped off, and then um, we've got one one more leg to go to Bangor, Maine, when we're headed for uh, Lucky Landing on Pushaw Lake, just on the east side of Bangor. And... Uh, it was really interesting because we take off and we've got, oh, about an hour to go. And, you know, of course, here we are chatting all along, you know, us pilot doing our chatty talk and all that kind of stuff going on. It got really quiet that last hour. And that was interesting. Is It was almost like we're done. And we're, you don't, you, you want it to end, but you don't want it to end. You, you want it to end, you know, you're anxious. You, you say, you know, we're going to get it. We're going to do it. Um, but then you kind of don't want it to end because the adventure of it is just, it's amazing. It's, it's really fun. And uh, so, uh, yeah, uneventful landing at uh, Pushaw Lake and uh, Tim Hodgkins at the time. He's, he's left us now, but uh, Tim welcomed us and, uh, we uh, we tied up and there that was that. So you so. made it. So it is possible 
to fly a straight float plane from the Pacific Northwest to the Northeast Coast. With, without, without drama. Without drama. <laughs> Without trauma, without drama. I mean, exciting. Adventure, a little nerve-wracking sometimes, but um, yes, it can be done. And I think it was something like 2,400 miles? 2,400 miles. Um, We took six six days. I suppose we could have done it faster, Um, but gee whiz. um, We had some fun time there at uh, Madden's Resort in – at, um, on the Mississippi River at uh, Whitbear. Um, and so I, gosh, if I, you know, I, I had planned more time in case of weather. So we had, we had plenty of options um, on, our, on our scheduling, if you will. But um, yeah, it worked out really well. Something like uh, 36 hours of flying? Yes, uh, I think that's right. 36 hours of flying time. And, uh, but like we mentioned earlier in the, in the podcast is like, there's all this other time where you spend um, kind of hobnobbing and fueling and um, talking with uh, other folks and uh, uh, giving seaplane rides to people that really helped you out along the way. And, uh Letting, letting kids jump in there and put the headphones on and pull on the yoke. And so it's do, um, do plan on uh, not just dashing across the country. There's a, there's a lot of, uh, um, a lot of goodwill, I think that can be spread around by us seaplane, seaplane pilots. You know, along those lines, you and I have talked and you, you have been quick to point out, how many people it takes to do a trip like this successfully and, and how important it is to thank everyone. Yes, exactly right. Everyone along the way, uh, backing, backing clear to Honolulu and, and uh, Pat Maggie and Tom Bass, um, Austin, um, the, the, all the SPA directors, um, that helped and gave guidance um, to the FBO guys that, you know, give you some ideas or, or make it work for you. Um, the Marina owners that, you know, they're, they're scratching their head. What do you want? Um, yeah, sure. We can help you. Um, it, it takes a, it, it takes a lot of people to make, make it happen. But um, it, as long as you're reaching out um, and asking questions and um, trying to, figure it out and get the planning down um it works and uh, to me it's like okay yes you're flying 34 36 hours um and sometimes that's almost a little boring uh looking out the window at what 85 miles an hour <laughs> but um yeah <laughs> just everything else that goes into it just the adventure of it um and I go back to where I started as a kid on the adventures of seaplanes going into remote fishing spots. Uh, and then to do a trip like this is just um, really pretty good fun. And, and certainly, uh, personally, quite an accomplishment to, to make it happen. Yeah. How many people have done that trip on straight floats and 
how many people have, you know, furthermore had the opportunity to do it. And uh, it's such a growing experience from every aspect. I mean, it's growing and, uh, you know, you, you learn from the people that you meet uh, along the way and, and you gain that, that joy, that inner joy in your heart from the people you meet and, and extend you all this goodwill and, and how gracious everyone is. Uh, you know, you, you learn a lot about your, your piloting abilities and the abilities of your airplane and you learn your airplane a lot better. Um, and you learn how big the country is and, and how beautiful it is. How, how beautiful and how diverse. And, um, yes, I, I look forward, gosh, I'm already thinking as I, Let's see now. How can we fly down from Maine to Florida on straight floats? Uh, how can we let's let's do a trip down the Mississippi on straight floats from one end to the other? Uh, <laughs> and you know, of course, here I am now sitting in Oregon. It's like, well, how come I'm not going to Alaska to stay at some of those remote cabins? So it, it just it does it, it gives you a a sense of accomplishment, and um, it just opens the doors for uh, more adventures. And, uh, so, yep, pretty good fun. Well, Dave, I appreciate you taking uh, two episodes of water flying to, uh, share your adventure with us. And, and of course I have a special appreciation for these grand adventures and you and I are talking about creating our club of, you know, the, the Michael Smiths in Australia, the Doug DeVries, uh, uh, that have, you know, and, and, you know, people that have done these, these grand adventures, because uh, it gives you a, a unique perspective. And I want to share, you know, that was kind of the, the inception of the thought about the member trips that we do for the Seaplane Pilots Association is, is to take people on an adventure of a lifetime that'll impact them for the rest of their lives. So, and you and I are already talking about, well, we should hook up and and do some of these flights together. So, uh, and I hope we do. And, and I look forward to it. Well, this is, this is a fun podcast. If we could um, encourage some folks and, and get, I don't gosh, five planes together and, and go on some kind of uh, junket on some place. And uh, I, I think it would be a kick. Um, I think that's a, that's a fun way to um, get some, uh, adventure flying in yeah so if you're interested if if this has inspired you uh and you would like to go on one of these adventures reach out to us uh reach out uh to myself um and uh just steve at at seaplanes.org uh reach out to us because uh we would like to organize some uh adventures and share this and and i'm sure there's a lot of you out there that have a lot more knowledge and experience especially localized knowledge and experience than we do so uh dave thank you for for sharing again the story i hope we've uh not only inspired people and 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 entertained people but uh um i hope that uh they'll take the next level and it's been worth of worthy of their time and and they've enjoyed it because i sure have uh i i find your adventure and and we're just gonna leave the spoiler out here uh, we told it as a question mark, can it be done? But in, in truth being told, you've actually done the trip multiple times now. <laughs> so, truth, truth be told, I've done it now <laughs> full three disclosure, times. we'll say at the end now that, that everyone knows you can do it. 
So, uh, and each time it's a little bit different and uh, it's a different experience in, in many ways. Yes. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Steve. This has been fun. Okay. Hey, uh, we hope you've enjoyed uh, Dave Wellman uh, as he has shared with us his experience of crossing the United States from the West Coast to the East Coast in a straight float 172. Uh, I'm sure we'll have Dave Wellman back because his ventures are far from done and he is always a a joy to to speak with. So Dave, thank you. Thank you, the listeners. Please share the uh, show with your friends and uh, please Dare to dream and make those dreams come true with adventures like uh, we've been talking about today. So until next time, fly safe, fly often, and expand those horizons, my friends. We'll see you. We are so glad you joined us today. If you like today's show, I highly encourage you to join the Seaplane Pilots Association and become a member of the largest seaplane community in the world. Members receive Water Flying, the only full-color glossy magazine dedicated to the seaplane community. And it's available in both printed and digital form. Your membership also includes access to the Water Landing Directory app, which has the Seaplane Flight School directory and a calendar of seaplane events not only here in the United States, but around the world. The association hosts regular educational workshops, safety seminars, and gatherings for seaplane pilots and anyone with a passion for seaplanes. So look us up online at seaplanes.org, join our community, and support our mission of protecting and promoting water flying.